0: Well, good morning. Good to good to see you all here. This morning we're starting up a new message series called "Twisting the Truth," and we're looking at deception. And we're going to discuss who's behind the deception, what are his tools, uh, what are some of the main lies and deceptions that we um, are offered, so we can spot them and steer clear of them. And so I'm looking forward to this series. It's going to be about five weeks looking into this area, and so glad you've joined us for that. Would you? uh, Pray together with me as we begin our service, Father. We thank you for uh, just bringing us here this morning. Thank you for a chance to hear from you, Lord. We love you, God, and we we uh, we're here. All of us, kind of from different places, going through different things, um, in various stages, even of, of uh, connecting with you. And so, Lord, I know there's some here that have connected with you already, and they uh, they want to grow. They they want to. Um, find ways to navigate through life, and then there's others who are searching and uh, have not yet connected with you. I pray that this message series, and this one in particular today, would be a real help, Lord, that you speak to us very clearly about um, what your word has to say about deception, Lord. We ask that you to help us to hear you above everything else, God, in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Well. In the late 1800s, doctors and scientists believed in something that was called spontaneous generation. And it was an understanding, the idea that that basically said that living organisms could somehow pop up out of non-living organisms spontaneously. So, from out of nowhere, diseases could just occur, and doctors didn't assume it was related to anything, they just, in many cases, diseases would pop up, this living organism would pop up, and it was understood that it, it could have just grown out of some sort of a non-living organism, it was spontaneously generated, and in many cases, these diseases would just sweep through communities, through cities, and they would kill thousands and thousands of people, and again, the assumption was that these were just random things, it was possibly providential, maybe in some cases this was believed to be even God's will, and very confusing times, because obviously how do you explain disease, and that's just rampantly sweeping through areas how does something non-living just suddenly become a living organism, then later on Louis Pasteur, he came, he, come, he came along and he said, no, that's that's not exactly how this works, that's not the case at all, there are actual there's invisible organisms that you can't see. There's these invisible things that you just can't see but they pass along through the wind, they can be transmitted and transferred through human contact, they can, we can carry these things on our clothes, and that there's this invisible world that we can't see but it has great impact what we can see there's a connection between the invisible world and the visible world and eventually this was these microorganisms later became known as germs okay we're all very familiar with germs but he, he put forward what was called the 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 germ theory okay of disease, and this is, this explained sponta- what they believed before to be spontaneous generation. So no longer did people just assume things just randomly came up out of nowhere. But now they said, okay, there's these there's these living organisms, but you can't see them; they're invisible, and they threaten to destroy human life. And this caught on pretty quickly among the medical community, like people actually believed this was the case, and so they steered clear from those who were sick. They also watched the conditions of those who were sick to see how disease would pass on through what types of contact. Um, But also there was a group within the medical community and the scientific community that rejected the idea. They basically thought this was crazy. How can something that you can't see have much impact? Um, Now this hundreds of years have passed and here we are we 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 believe in germs don't we you know we believe in germs and um, you know we carry around uh, These things bring my props up here You know We're very much a uh, You know we all believe in germs don't we we have all this stuff you know we got multi-surface antibacterial of course Lysol you know common staple most people's houses you know spick and span bleach you know anywhere hard to surface stuff we you know everybody kind of has some of this right antibacterial hand sanitizer you know I was just on a trip and um, we were in lots of different public places and Everywhere where we went where there was a big public thing, before we ate, you know, if I'm watching the kids, we're just eating, you know, and then Erica walks up and "You what are you doing? We, 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 we have the hand sanitizer. <laughs> and I'm just like eating my food, you know, all over, the fa- all over the place and, you know, and I'm just not thinking about these invisible microorganisms, but it's very true. We believe this. I believe in germs, even though I don't always plan for germs and try to wipe germs out. You know, I, I, I do believe in them. And, um, you know, the truth is that germs in the right environment, under the right conditions, can turn into something very, very painful. And in the visible world, we can see these invisible things do real damage you know it becomes visible we see outbreaks visibly eventually we see these invisible things turn visible and the rub comes in that the bible says that there's another invisible world that impacts us physically spiritually relationally it impacts our worldview i'm going to move some of my props here so i don't get sprayed or hurt but, you know, there's all of these things that impact our lives invisibly. And I want to look at this today. and some of us, even though we believe in germs and stuff, we, we sometimes resist this other invisible world. Um, we think, wait a minute, are you saying that there's something that I can't see that can actually do damage to my life? That's a little difficult to believe. Um, and so what we're going to do is we're going to look into the scriptures and talk about deception and just some of the things the Bible says about those in that invisible world. And, and some of the things that we're going to talk about um, are a little... Um, disturbing to us because of the way that we look at that we the way that we look at the world. Our worldview makes it difficult for us to see and understand um, what goes on behind the scenes because we can't see the invisible world but the Bible says the same Bible says you know it tells us love one another we like that part it says children love your you know your parents honor your parents tells parents gives us instructions on how to love our kids we like that part and the Bible says that we can have a relationship with God if we put our faith in Him but the Bible also says that there is an invisible world and when we hear that sometimes we don't like that we don't want to hear about the invisible world we don't want to think about the invisible world but the truth is that it impacts our world every single day. And you don't necessarily need a, you know, like a microscope to see this thing. All we really need to do to understand about the invisible world is we just look around. We can look, you know, we can look in the rearview mirror and think about what has happened in our past. And we do things that seem so out of character at times. And we, and we say to ourselves, you know, how could I have done that? How could I have been so confused as to make that decision? How, how, looking back, how could that thing that was so clearly wrong, you know, how did that seem right in the moment? You know, or how could I have moments of sanity and clarity and then all of a, so, all of a sudden I'm in another situation, I do something that just seems insane. And... I'm with a group of people and I act a certain way and then I'm thinking, what am I doing here? There's this invisible world that begins to impact our daily life, our real life. And we see the effects, the pain of this invisible world. We see the scars of this invisible world. Emotionally, physically, relationally, sexually, financially. There is all sorts of impact that this invisible world has on us. And, and maybe you don't even need to look in the past. Maybe you just need to look in the mirror right now. Because maybe right now in your own life you're right in the middle of the fog. And you're going through some confusion and some. you're struggling to understand what's right and what's really true and maybe you're you're in the process of even talking yourself into things that you know you have no business doing and you you're just struggling to regain your sanity if it Maybe right now, though, it's not in your life, you look around and it's in someone else's life. Someone close to you, a close friend, family member. And you, and you look at their life and you're saying, what, what are you thinking? How is it that you're making this, these decisions right now? It's so clear to, to me and everyone around you that you're about to, to ruin your life. It's because there's this invisible world going on. And there's an intersection between the invisible world and our own lives. And we need to, we need to understand it. There's actually a twist there's a deception in our world. And even in our own culture, we look at some of the things that have happened historically in our country or internationally. And, and there's just some horrific things in, the, in in history. And we try to explain it. We say, man, what was going on there? How did people not understand or see that this was evil? It's because there's an invisible world. There's someone behind that. And the interesting thing is that not everybody falls for the deception, um, some people are able to kind of steer their way around deception, and they're able to navigate through this twisted world. Um, but oftentimes, we get tripped up. You know, we want to have relationships that that are that are right, but some for some reason things go wrong in our relationships. We want to make decisions that are right, but for some reason we we. Other factors get introduced in our decisions and they get cloudy and muddy and we can't seem to understand how to make the right decisions. And the goal of deception is not to completely throw these obvious lies in our face, but the goal of deception is is subtle deception. It's to, to get us off track, to get our thinking off track just enough to where we lose our way in life. To, we, to where we lose hope in life even. We lose our perspective. And this is, this is how deception works. And I want to look in the Bible to see what God has to say about this whole area of deception. And we're going to look first in John chapter 8. And Jesus in John chapter 8, he's interacting with... Um, Some Jewish people who were wrestling with whether or not they wanted to believe in Him and to put their 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 trust in Him. And so, if you if you brought your Bible, you can turn to that. Or we have the we have the passages up on the screen. But I want to give you a little bit of context. Um, In John, in the book of John, you have some pretty powerful um, verses and some pretty memorable verses. From the book of John, you have one of the most famous verses in the Bible: "Is and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you." Free. We've heard that. You know, we all know that verse. We like that verse. Um, you know, and we're gonna we're gonna look at how that factors into deception. Um, also, there's another verse in here that we know from the Book of John. It's John three sixteen. You know, for God so loved the world. And we we, we we've heard these verses. And then Jesus introduces some other things in the Book of John. He's having this rough interaction with with these Jewish. <coughs> Individuals who are trying to, uh, who are wrestling with whether or not Jesus is who he says he is, and basically, he he's the Messiah. He's sent from God to deliver God's people. He does some amazing things. He does miracles. His teaching was profound. People were being gripped by what he did and said, and these things that were so obviously from God were being displayed. And and, and then he goes to this group of people, and they're questioning if he's really from God. They're confused if he's if he's from God because they're thinking, man, some of the things that he's doing are are not in line with God, and so and they're they're wrestling with whether or not you know they they're Jewish people, and so they they claim Abraham as their father, and he he begins to press in on their beliefs and on the statements they're making. He's saying, you know, he's saying Abraham knows me, but you don't know me and he's saying you don't understand where I come from because you're not acting in line with your father Abraham and in verse, I believe it's verse 43 he gets to this point and he says verse 43 he says why is my language not clear to you because you're unable to hear what I say he's basically saying are you deaf he says in other words why don't you get it, why don't you get that what I'm doing and who I am, that I'm from God And he says, I'll tell you why you don't understand who I am. Verse 44 says, you belong to your father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desires. So here's what he's saying. Hey guys, I'll tell you why why you don't recognize who I am. I'll tell you why all of this stuff that I'm doing doesn't make sense. It's because there's a deceiver. And he has so deceived you that even though I'm doing these things right in front of your face... You're not buying it. You're not believing it. You're making um, other reasons for what's going on. And in the face of overwhelming evidence, your thinking is just twisted enough to where you take what I say and what I do and you ascribe it to someone else. And so Jesus is challenging him, saying, you're under the power of your father, the devil. And this, of course, was an offensive thing. For Jesus to say to these individuals they're saying you know hey we're we're of our father Abraham, and now he says, no, you know what you're under the you're you're under the direction you're following you're being influenced by the devil, you know you're trying to carry out his desires and his desires confusion verse forty four you know the rest of this verse is he obviously he begins to describe something about the devil and uh it says, he was a murderer from the beginning. Not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. Okay, this is his agenda. Murder. He's trying to wipe out human life. This is And this is what Jesus is saying to them. He's saying, you're, you're going to want to kill me. You're going to want to take me out. And the reason he makes the charge against them is because he knew what they were about to do to him. That they would capture him. That they would lie about him. And they would murder, crucify him. He's saying you're acting like you're under the control and the power of your father, the devil. This is what the devil does, he's saying. And he's trying to give them a strong warning because the devil has always had this agenda, murder. This is the devil's goal. This is his main agenda (coughs) was the destruction of human life. This is what he was trying to accomplish. He goes on to say this about the devil. He says, when he lies... He speaks his native language. This is this is what comes natural. This is his language, lying. For he is a liar, and he is the father. That word father can mean the source or the originator. He's the father of all lies. All deception at its root comes from the devil. This is what Jesus believed. And you don't have to believe all of what I'm saying, but what Jesus is saying is there's a devil. He's very real. And and I think in our world we we there's this huge disbelief in the devil. That that just sounds you know goofy. That sounds you know horror film TV movies, but there's no such thing in our world in our day. And but what Jesus believed was this. He said he believed in the devil and that his ultimate agenda was the destruction of human life. That's what he's trying to do. He's trying to wipe out all humanity. And his means for destroying human life was through deception. That's his one main tool, is deception. And and he has been somewhat limited in this world, but he's tremendously powerful. He uses this tool. He doesn't have a lot of tools that he can pull out of his toolbox, but his main tool that he wants to use is lying, deceiving, twisting the truth in our lives. And this distortion is, is where the invisible world impacts the visible world because invisibly we can't see everything. It's not clear sometimes what the deceptions of this world are. And so... It's important for us to understand what is true and what is a lie. Um, if you look at John chapter 14 verse 30. In the same book he's talking to a close close group of, of, of friends. And it's near the end of his life. And Jesus says this. He says, I will not speak with you much longer. He says, for the prince of this world is coming and he has no hold on me. So Jesus, he's saying... The devil is the prince of this world. He has power. He has a tremendous amount of influence and power. And, and, you know, we all have some different understandings of this. And I'm not exactly comfortable with what Jesus... I don't feel great about what Jesus believed about the devil. Because that's disconcerting to me. that, That there is a real person. A personality that wants to destroy me. And that wants to destroy all of us. That's that's his goal. Sometimes we can minimize what the devil does. And we try oh downplay it. He's just trying to scare us. You know, jump out a little pitchfork and a, and a red cape and some horns. And, you know, we have this image from Halloween and from the movies and just from comics and all of that. But Jesus was serious. He, he was giving serious warnings about this. Look at Luke chapter 4. This is one of the temptations of Jesus. Jesus was being tempted to do several things. And listen to these wor- words, okay? It says, the devil led him, speaking of Jesus, they, the devil led Jesus up to a high place. And he showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of this world. And then listen to what he says. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority. I just want to stop right there because... What he's saying is the devil was offering something that was his to give. He has authority and control and and some dominion in, in the world. And he was offering this to Jesus if he would worship him, if he bowed down. Now, this concerns me again. There's a real devil who has control and authority that he's offering to Jesus. Now we're looking at things from you know we can look at things from the end of the story we know we can find out what the ultimate um, you know place of the devil will be and we can find out what what will happen in the very end of times because God has already revealed that to us in the scripture but as long as we 're part of this world and until God decides to wrap up history and bring those things to a conclusion, we deal with the invisible world because the devil is at the root of all deception and he has his own forces that are at work to deceive us and <clears throat> if the verse goes on I will give you all their authority and splendor for it has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to again his agenda is the destruction or the end of human life and he, he's not given complete control in our world but he has a certain amount of control to deceive us. And if, if sometimes we in the church even are, are thinking that I'm, I'm completely off limits, I don't, I don't, yeah, there's a devil, but I'm, I'm untouchable. I'm impenetrable. And if that were true, then the New Testament and all the instruction about guarding against the devil and about resisting him and about, and about taking up the armor of God, stand against the devil none of that would be in there if if this wasn't something we ought to pay attention to deception is very real though and we need to begin to factor these things in and you might think well you know what this is kind of i don't i don't buy it you know jesus he said some great things he did some great things but this is about where i feel like we've modernized and and that was 2,000 years ago. This is different nowadays. Look at Paul. I'd like you to, to look at Ephesians chapter 6. At the end of, of his book, he's talking about parents and children. He's talking about work and um, leadership. And then in chapter 6, verse 11, Paul says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's, what does it say? Schemes. That word, scheme, it can mean methods. Basically, he has, he has a method. He has a, he has a way of, of tricking us. He's trying to deceive us. But his scheme, his tool, is, is deception. That's what he uses. But he has a plan. He has a strategy for deceiving us. And you know what? You may not believe all these things, but it's, it's because it's invisible. So it's easy to be deceived when it's things that you can't see. You know, I, I cannot see the way that he's trying to trick me. I can't see the lies that he is trying to get me to buy into. And you can't either, so we have to be very careful. There's a book, The Screw Tape Letters. This is a copy of the book. Written by uh, C.S. Lewis. And what C.S. Lewis tried to do in this book was he tried to help us understand the tools, the schemes, the strategy and plans of the devil. And in this book is this, it's it's basically letters written from, that's a story, okay, it's a story, so this isn't from the Bible, but what he's done is taken what the scripture said and he's created this, this story. And it's in the story that the screw tape is the chief demon. He's a chief demon. And He's training his nephew, Wormwood, who's a young demon in training. And they're trying to deceive and basically ruin and destroy the life of an individual. And so the book is about, it's just letters written from Screw Tape to Wormwood telling him the tools and the strategies to use. And it's interesting, I wanted to show you a few things from here. Um, One of the things that that you get from this book is Screwtape, the, the chief demon, he says this, The safest path to hell is the gradual one. The safest path to hell is the gradual one. So Screwtape is not interested in getting his patient to commit anything spectacularly evil. He's just trying to slowly get this person off track. Methodically, strategically, he's scheming to use deception, lies, so that this patient that he's going after will ruin his life. And eventually, this will corrupt a person. Here's another quote. It says, There are things for humans to do all day long. This is screw tape he's writing to his nephew. One demon to another. And he's saying, There are things for humans to do all day long without his minding in the least. Speaking of God. Without God minding in the least. Sleeping, washing, eating, drinking, making love, playing, praying, working. All of these things in and of themselves are not necessarily bad. And he says, Everything has to be twisted before it's any use to us. We fight under cruel disadvantages. Nothing is naturally on our side. And so what he's trying to do, he's trying to take what is true and just twist it enough to where we lose our way in life. It's not like the, the greatest temptations that we'll experience are these obviously horrible things that equal ruin. It's, it's these slight, subtle deceptions that we don't always notice that get us off track. And those are the ones that are most dangerous. The, ones, the lies that we never notice are the most dangerous to us. And so what he does is this. He, the, devil, he's, the devil's schemes are to take truth and twist it. Here's what he wants to do. And here's a list. You see these bulleted out in here. He wants to turn appetites something normal and healthy, appetites, he wants to turn them into addictions. He wants to twist them and distort appetites so so that we would become addicted to certain things and have an unhealthy need for appetites. He also wants to take desire, because desire is a good thing. He's given us a desire for certain things, and he wants to twist desire just enough. He wants to turn it into greed. To where we gotta have it and we live for what we desire. That's that's the enemy the enemy is behind greed It's okay to get things. It's okay to have things. It's okay to want things But he'll twist it just enough to where we have to have it even if we we're, we're willing to hurt other people. We're willing to step on people along the way. We're willing to 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 blur mora- morality Another thing he does is he'll take something appealing there's nothing wrong with something that's appealing. they will take it and he'll twist it to where it becomes jealousy. You know, we look at someone's life, we look at our neighbor, we look at our friends, we see their family, the way that they're doing life. We, we see the cars they drive, the house they live in, the clothes they wear, the job that they do. And it's okay to, to be, you know, that's nah, appealing, you know. But the enemy, he twists it just enough to where we, we, we become jealous. And we begin, that jealousy begins to gnaw on us. It interrupts our relationships. He'll take appreciation, another thing, and he'll turn it into lust. You know, we can appreciate beauty, but he'll twist beauty just enough to where it becomes lustful. That's the enemy. He's behind that. That's his tool, his deception. He'll take anger. Which is a normal human emotion. We all struggle with anger. You know, something doesn't go right for us. We, we, we struggle with getting angry. But He'll twist it enough to turn it into rage. and to bitterness. Even to the point where when we don't get what we want, we're willing to blame God for it. And turn our backs and turn our lives on Him. Because there's a scheme. This is His scheme. There's a plan. And when you begin to factor this into your world and your world view it, it will help you spot the lie it'll help you avoid the deception but if we just if we just believe everything that comes into our mind And every emotion and feeling that we get, and we don't weigh it up against what God says is true in the scriptures, then we're opening ourselves up to severe deception. And the invisible world begins to impact our visible world. And we see its impact in our lives. And right now you might be in the middle of some sort of a parent-child deal. Maybe you're struggling in parenting. Maybe you're struggling in your marriage. Maybe it's a roommate deal. Maybe it's a boyfriend-girlfriend thing. Some sort of relational issue. And you're wondering, man, where is all of this coming from? Look at what Ephesians goes on to say. It says, for our struggle, it's not against flesh and blood. It's not just your husband that's the problem. It's not just your daughter that's the problem. It's not just the, you know, the kids and the friends He's saying, wait, don't forget to factor this in. There is a schemer behind these things. There's an invisible world. goes on to say, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the rulers. It's against the authorities. It's against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Wait a minute, Paul. You believe there's a devil? You're such a smart guy. You wrote... Much of the New Testament. You wrote that love verse. You know, you might have had that verse. I had that verse read in my wedding. You know, love is patient. Love is kind. It's not... Paul, you wrote such good things. How can you believe that there's a devil? That seems so childish and so elementary. And Paul is saying, hey, do not discount that there is a real deceiver who is trying to take your life He's saying, yeah, he's a murderer. And since the beginning, he's been a murderer. His goal is the destruction of human life, and his main tool is deception. He just wants to distort and twist the truth. And maybe some of you are thinking today, good, I'm glad we're talking about this, because I, I have questions about this. I want to know what's behind some of these things that I do. I, I I have these moments of clarity, and then I have these moments of insanity, and these moments of clarity, and these, and I want to know what's behind all this. And others of you might be thinking, this is the reason why I stopped going to church, because I <laughs> talked about things like this, and, uh... But the truth is, if we just take a hard look at our lives, and even if we're skeptical about these things, and we're just honest enough to look around, we have to, we have to ask ourselves, what is behind the evil that we see in our world? How do you explain some of the most despicable things without a deceiver? How about this? A group spends years and years planning to hijack passenger jets and fly them into business buildings in New York and into the Pentagon in our nation's capital because that'll make God happy. That's twisted. The, the, the deceiver has had twisted the truth just enough to where people carried out plans. Because in, in their minds, in the minds of those hijackers who crashed on 9-11, that made perfect sense to them. They were deceived. They were distorted in their thinking. That made perfect sense. We, we were in uh, D.C., my family, uh, last last 10 days or last week for 10 days and we got to see the pentagon memorial and i mean just as i'm sitting there looking at this all i'm like man it just took me back to you know almost it's nine years ago almost 10 years to those moments and to all that was going on you're just thinking man how how could that have made sense to people that, that they planned that out that wasn't just a decision hey let's you know do this today you know this was planned out years before we'd been to the Holocaust Museum there in DC as well and and if you go to the Holocaust Museum it's a very solemn experience it's just very quiet everyone's whispering inside there and as I as I walked they they take you through um, you know train cars where they would kill the Jews and they they'd show you pictures of all these different things so you could really understand the experience of of destruction that was going on there you know this took incredible planning to carry out this was not just some idea but this was well thought out someone you know worked out this plan to annihilate the Jews you know and the idea was hey let's round up all these people who did nothing to us because it's a good idea and it's going to help us accomplish our goals and let's wipe them out let's steal everything from them and let's kill millions and the nation of Germany they look back at the holocaust and it's completely embarrassing to them because how and we look now we say how could they not how could people go along with that and not understand that this was completely horrific it's because there's a devil that's behind it there, there is someone who is scheming to get us off track to where we don't spot the deception he just twists things just enough to where we don't understand it that's twisted you know it's horrible if you know anything about like brittany taylor were in rwanda if you know anything about the genocide in rwanda or in darfur where where children's hands and feet are cut off because again people are trying to carry out their own plans how do you how do you explain that stuff without the devil without believing there's someone behind all this scheming and twisting our judgment just enough to where we don't see the truth we have child pornography, we have child prostitution, we have all sorts of things that could be just a blip on the TV screen to where we don't pause and notice the evil in our world. Well it's not just it didn't just spontaneously generate. There's an invisible world that impacts our visible world every single day. And he wants to twist our thinking. And his concern, again, is not to throw things that are obvious it's to throw things that just are slightly off to where we'll buy into the slight deception and then another slight deception and it's a gradual process in our life so we have to be careful one of the things we can do is we can spend time really getting to know God and understanding who he is and what he has revealed as true in the scripture because if we'll understand what he has laid out as true we can begin to identify and spot the deceptions Truth is, looks can be deceiving. Everything is not just as it appears. There's a twist in the world that we live in. So over the next um, five weeks, what we're going to do is we're going to look at four of the most um, destructive lies that the enemy has, has put in front of us and that I think impact every single one of us. And I want to I, I just share from the Scripture what those lies are and, and look at those topics and kind of wrestle with them together. Let, let's pray to, together as we continue on. Father, I admit that there are times when I just take this whole area out of the equation. I just look at things with natural eyes. I look at my life and decisions I've made and I, I explain them away without recognizing that I, I may be getting some help at times. And we we get off track very easily, Lord. And so, Lord, I pray that we would um, guard ourselves, learn to take a stand against the, the enemy, that we begin to understand how he works, not get fascinated, Lord. I pray you'd protect us from fascination in this area. This is one thing, God, that we, we want to stay clear from... Um, uh, And stay protected from the traps of the enemy, the fascination from the enemy. But Lord, help us not to be naive enough to think that he does not exist. Lord, help us to understand his tools, his main tool of deception. Help us to look at our lives and try to unpack and understand what it is he might be using right now in our life to deceive us. So that we can avoid pain and destruction and and ruin, Lord. I pray you protect us in the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as we kind of embark upon looking and trying to dig up some of the lies that are right before us and that we might be wrestling with right now. Help us, Lord, to, um, to, to take these things and take them to heart as we, as we dig into your word over these next few weeks. Pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. There are some next steps. You can see them on the back of your outline. They're also on the back of the connection card that you received and um, that will go in the offering. And so the three next steps I'd like you to consider is the first one, ask God to help you recognize truth from deception in your thinking this week. Ask God just simply, God, will you help me to be aware of truth and deception in my thinking? Help me to spot the deception and to call it what it is. Secondly, you might consider reading something, read the Screw Tape letters to better understand the enemy's tactics. Uh, memorize six, uh, Ephesians 6:12 through 13. It's the passage that really gets helps us get an understanding that you know we're not just struggling against flesh and blood. It's not just relational problems but there's someone behind this there's a world system behind this stuff that we need to be prepared to deal with and so um, Jared's going to lead us in worship as the offering comes around in just a few songs if if you would uh, put the connection card in the offering we'd appreciate that and thank you for your faithfulness in giving thanks Jared for, uh, for pinch hitting for Cody we really appreciate you doing that today